When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit podcast. It's Wayne Spoonie here. I've got our newest member of the podcast team, Jake Eisenberg, with me. But we have a special guest, a recurring guest. That's Dan Greenberg of Barstool Sports, better known as Barstool Greeny, the man with the best headlines in basketball. How you doing, Greeny? Uh, I'm doing all right. I think I think that's how I would phrase it. I'm doing okay. I've been better in my life, but I'm doing all right. Yeah, I hear you. Jake, how about yourself, my man? Yeah, all right. Yes, yeah, fine. You know, there's no there's no Celtics to kind of distract me from my day to day issues, which is um, maybe good, maybe bad. We'll find out in the next six weeks or so. <laughs> I I can assure you, my wife and family appreciates that there's no Celtics <laughs> to distract me. But Greeny, since we last had you on, man, we uh, Celtics went to the finals. That was yeah, pretty cool. Man. Away finals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what was it like on the internet for you after the Celtics lost the finals? Because if you don't know, Greeny has the uh, largest collection of trolls online for any Celtics blogger. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd say it's, it's warranted, you know, I, I, I poke the bear, so to speak. So that doesn't really bother me, but um, it's tough. It was, it's hard because, you know, once, once the, the clock hit zero, uh, I don't really, I had like a, an out of body experience. I don't really know what went on for the next like three to five days post finals. Um, I'm sure my mentions were awful. I tried not to look, um, you know, I think with the amount of shit that I talked along the way, um, yeah. I knew that. <laughs> You know, had they not pulled it off, that it was going to be, you know, right back in my direction. But that's, you know, that's the Internet. You know, I'm a firm believer in if you you don't want it, don't give it. And, and, you know, when we were going through Nets fans and then Bucks fans who wouldn't stop crying and then Heat fans who wouldn't stop crying. And then, you know, Warriors fans who were who were like weirdly part Lakers fans because the Lakers were out of it. And they're just like you know, 12 year olds who just, you know, I just, you know, Warriors fans are their own special breed. So, they are, you know, up yeah. to one after stealing game one, of course, I'm going to, you know, run my mouth. So, um, you know, I think I'm a firm believer in never deleting tweets. So I think there were a few from like games one and three that seemed to resurface with a certain <laughs> fan base I noticed was the handle. Most of them said like, you know, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, goat 420, um, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. There was a lot of those, but or LeBron, like goat. I said, it, <laughs> yeah, if, if you don't want that stuff, don't lose three straight, you know, to, to lose a title. So, all right, before we jump into the run sheet here, uh, last episode, Jake and Ben went through who of those four teams we played in the playoffs had the worst fans. Yep. 
the biggest pains in the ass. So on record, Greeny, <laughs> who know, is it? I mean, it's obviously it's, not Brooklyn. It's yeah, clearly not say, Brooklyn. It's not the Nets. I mean, <laughs> no. no, it wasn't them. It's hard, man. I just, I'd say, I'd say after Brooklyn, it was probably Golden State as like the, mm. you know, three out of the four. I mean, just because we don't really deal with them all that much as a, as a collective fan base. I mean, you see them right. twice a year. Obviously, you're in the finals, so it's like, you know, the team that's talking trash to you won the championship. So that just comes that's with tough. the territory of winning. So then you're asking me to decide between Bucks and Heat fans. I mean, Christ, they're both <laughs> bad. They're both awful the same way they would both think that Celtic fans are awful. I'd probably say, I'd probably say Heat and then Bucks. Bucks for me take the cake just because I think yeah. – you know, the Heat fans, they they have a sense of self-awareness, right? Like, they're trying – like, they they don't – they just – the Heat culture is the thing that's just – the hashtag Heat culture is what's annoying about Heat fans. But the Bucks fans, it's like Giannis has never committed an offensive foul. Giannis has never done anything sketchy. You know, it's all, what about Chris Middleton? You know, they like to to throw that around while ignoring the fact that they won their title largely in part due to, so just their lack of self-awareness. And I'm pretty sure there was that one dude who went on like a campaign to call Al Horford a dirty player, which was like very weird. So for me, it's probably Bucks fans won, then Heat, then Warriors, then Nets. Yeah, Jake, yeah, you had, had the box, right? I had the yeah. exact same ranking. Um, the, 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 the Zapruder film after every game of the Bucks series was the most painful fucking experience I've ever been through. Um, but I had an honorable mention that we didn't play was the Raptors fans. Like those fucking guys are sickos. Well, they just have a, they just have an inferiority complex, Dude. you know. But having said that, you know, when they won the title, mm-hmm. talk all you want. Like, no, you, no I'm, question. When you win, you can say like, I had no problem with after they won everything Draymond said. Like, you win, the fans can talk, the players can talk. But like, you know, it's 2022. You don't, you can't still be living off that 2019 title. And I just, you know. Obviously, the Celtics and the Raptors have their history. Um, I just think that, you know, it's it's mostly like little brother syndrome with them as opposed <laughs> to just with the Bucks. It's like, obviously, they have the best players in the world. They were the defending champs, whatever. But just like the lack of self-awareness yes. that I I have to deal with. It's like, oh, you only got there because of injuries. Well, what about last year's title? Oh, well, that was just like Giannis was the best player. It's like, well... Yeah, let's just have a real discussion if you want to talk about that. And they just couldn't do it. So, but we're all, but like we would be on top of everybody's list, you know, like, oh, if you had to play a team, who would you find most obnoxious? Like 99% of fan bases are going to say Celtics fans and that's fine. So it's just, it's part of the game. Yeah, I was saying we. You kind of, I kind of found you went through a Twitter boss at each level. Like there was one oh, account, definitely. two accounts. Definitely. I, I was thinking in reverse. You're probably that account for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. You've got to deal with um, them. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like I just, I just think of myself like any other, like of course, like any other Celtic fan. You know, I don't consider myself like a final boss by any fucking means. But <laughs> I do agree with you that that's what the even like with the actual teams. Like that's mm-hmm. what it was. For me, it's like each level was like a different level of boss. 
And unfortunately, you know, we all smashed our PlayStations uh, at the end because we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't beat the final boss because Steph Curry is legitimately a, a final boss. So so good. Uh, I didn't smash my PlayStation because I'm an Xbox guy, but otherwise, oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> so uh, anyway, all right. So let's jump into like shit that ha- didn't happen a month ago that I've already totally forgotten mm-hmm. about. Uh, big news is the Celtics didn't use the Hayward slash Fournier TPE. Uh, I mean, do we think, was that a failure? Do we not give a shit because we got Brogdon? And I've got a Reddit comment here from user Coco1520 that says three seconds, as in second round picks, wasted. So, Jake, do you think it's a failure? Do you not really care? Do I... Celtics fans or fans in general will find anything to complain about. I swear. Like, I mean, I will see what Greeny thinks, but I mean, you can, I don't know how you can look at the off season without thinking it's an A or an A plus. Um, per- personally, I'm just happy to see the TPE go finally after two years of just like firing up the trade machine and trying to convince yourself that teams are going to give you good players for nothing. And so, like, I think that even to the bitter end, we could not comprehend that concept like yes we want one more. yes if i woke up and Jakob pertle had was on the celtics for a second mm. round pick i would have been stoked but <laughs> everything we learn about the spurs over the past years is that like, they're going to squeeze you for real assets and like Derek white trade Dejounte murray trade it's, it you have to give up real shit to get real shit back and are you going to give up real shit for a guy that's going to play eight minutes a game i know i've been we, we bullied wick into not being a broke boy finally <laughs> And being like one of the top five spenders, but I don't know how much we're willing they they are to spend fifty million dollars on a dude that's probably not going to, hopefully, not play in the playoffs. So I'm I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, I would have liked him to get someone, but I don't I don't care. Yeah, don't care. <laughs> yeah, Greeny. So I looked at if you look at it straight up, like you know, did they use it? Yes or no? No. So in that context, it's a fail because the asset. In and, in and of itself right. was was quote unquote wasted, but I think when you look at how it impacts their off season, you have to look at it as sort of like a, a living and breathing organism, right? So it's like when they entered the off season, I think we all wanted them to say, okay, with all of your available tools, go ahead and improve the roster and fill your needs. Whether that was through trade, whether that was through TPE, whether that was through using the mid-level, like just you just do something to improve the roster. But I think none of us, in fact, not a person on the planet, could have foreseen and predicted what the trade package was for a player like Malcolm Brogdon, right? Like that was Aaron Neesmith and a ham sandwich. But the cost of that was those filler, you know, the picks, the the high upside rookie contract player, whatever, and then contract filler, those were your collateral for potentially using the TPE to bring in a player of substance. So had that trade not happened and they they still had all those assets and then didn't use the TPE in addition to that, we have a much bigger problem. But the fact that they did use those assets it's it's like Jake said, you're not going to give up Peyton Pritchard and an additional first round pick or even a high second round pick for your third string center. Now, the the thing where I think you could have gotten around that is 
were there any low salary backup centers between like one and three million that you could have used the part of the the Fournier TPE for just because like maybe they make a little bit more than veteran minimum and the tax bill is like, you know, 10 million more instead of, you know, someone that makes Jacob Poto money where it's 50 million more. So I think it's sad that we have to, you know, move on from the point of TP. It was so fun, you know, yeah. but yeah. but I tweeted it out. It's like, listen, I got the Wancho TPE. I That's got the saying. Dennis TPE. I got, I have an endless supply of TPEs yeah. that I can move on to. <laughs> so it's, it's sad that, you know, the fun of trying to, you know, play the game of who they could use it on. But like, when you look at the picks and the assets that they had available, to then pair with it to bring in that player, none of us would want to give up a rotation player in your right. top seven, eight rotation for a third string center. And the Malcolm Brogdon deal was, you know, even though it wasn't the TPE move, like that was the TPE move. And then they used their mid-level exemption on Gallo. So it's like they did everything that we, I think, all wanted them to when we hit the offseason. They just didn't have to use one of the vehicles available to them to improve the roster, yeah, they they still have right. that. That yeah, we're not we're not caught off cold turkey. We're not quitting smoking like all in one go. We still got the one show. We still got the Schroeder TPE. Oh yeah, like, like if you don't think I'm looking at who yeah. makes under six point nine million, like oh, yeah, yeah. you're out of your you're out of your mind. You don't so, know this like, man. Yeah. But those yeah, guys exactly. We don't have to give up too much to get those guys, and that doesn't expire for a while. So we can like we can chill. We can get we can get to rehab. We can come back out. We can relapse. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And before we move on, uh, again, yeah, we've got those two TPEs where we can grab one of those lower, cheaper centers that you were talking about, Greeny. And also the three seconds is kind of a misnomer. One was a top 55 protected second. Like that was not a real pick. And I think another was a swap. With like I also don't give a shit about second round picks. Yeah. So, yeah. Like late whoa, second round whoa, whoa. picks, JD I just Davidson don't care. You hunt bigger on slander in this whoa, whoa. podcast. Come on, man! But in a sense, in a sense that like we have the we have yeah. some already drafted and stashed. Like right. essentially, there's not going to be room for them. And if you have to pay that price to bring in real talent, like like what are we doing? It's worth we're, it. We're, people, the same people who get mad that Ainge never traded a pick are now the same ones complaining that they traded. It's like, whatever it's yeah. get over it. You can't win. I do want Brad to have a European stash in every European country by the end of his, like by the time he retires, now, he's just taking over Europe. Uh, all right. So uh, this is dovetailing nicely. It's almost like I planned this shit or something. <laughs> Jake jumped the gun a little bit. So I'm going to throw it to I you greenie first. Yeah. I, you always do that to me. Uh, so Overall, man, what is your offseason grade for the Celtics? I'd probably give it a A minus. Just yeah, because it's... just because of the the unknown risk that, you know, is attached with with someone like Brock. Like from a value standpoint, it's an A plus. But when I factor in sort of what it could mean and the injury risks moving forward and the fit and the minute distribution. Like there are potential concerns that I think are factored in Um, Gallo. Like, listen, if it's the Gallo that made 10 straight threes against us, great. If it's the other one that had a pretty brutal, you know, postseason run more recently, it's not as great, but we're talking about the mid-level. So I'd say a minus a to a minus, but maybe like a 92, 
something like that. Okay, all right, all right. It'd be a good grade for me in high school. Jake, how about you? I was going to say, yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a easy grader. I, I need the, the curve to swing in my favor. Um, a for me, um, Brogdon. Yes, of course, injury concern. But I've already fired up the, the propaganda line is those two 54, 56 game seasons. When you factor in the COVID seasons, they're basically like 63 game seasons anyway. Yeah. And if you get 63 games out of Brogdon, anyone really, you're, you're fine with that. You're not having questions about making all NBA teams, et cetera, et cetera. And then Gallinari, on the other hand, I mean, he was a key cog on a conference finals team mm-hmm. only two years ago. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, the playoff run against finals. the Heat. Conference, hey, look, they, they, they were there. <laughs> I know, they, I know. Um, and look, again, Gallinari to me, it's, it's similar to Pritchard with the playoff run in that I just need them to be able to play some minutes in round one and a half. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't, once we get to the conference finals and finals, it's okay if Gallinari's given you maybe a couple, a couple minutes here and there in the early part of the series. And then we're able to load up the minutes on the Jays. Mm-hmm. It's just... We, we need we needed some some depth so we're not loading them up so early. Um, for me, I mean, how can you you kept the finals team together and you added yeah. a former All Star and Gallinari? Still got the TPE. Um, I know we're going to get into some big men, but well, that's my biggest concern, right? Like they still Sorry. haven't addressed Don't they haven't it. addressed that situation. So like, yeah, I can't give them a full A just because like, listen, I loved Cab. I saw him in person in all four like. Listen, you won't find a bigger Cab fan than me, but like <laughs> he's a two-way guy, so he's not even eligible for the postseason. So it's like they still haven't answered that question, and I think we've learned that over the course of the regular season, if we're going to be load managing Al, there's always Rob's load management issues. Like the like Daniel Tice was a really good regular season reserve big. Yes, that does not exist right now, um, unless you just think. You know, Gallo is going to be that that player, but he's he's inching a little bit older, and I don't think they're going to want to burn him out either. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to see who they bring in because that's definitely still a question. Yeah, and we we've got a Reddit comment here from user Guwap underscore official who says we need a backup big. Don't care how we get one, but this team will pay yeah. the price for not getting one if that's what happens. And I mean, you're touching on it, Greeny. Backup big is far more important to the Celtics than I think it is maybe for any other team in the NBA because Rob and Al, you can at least somewhat replace what they do in the regular season. So I think you can find like a decent facsimile. Like who gives a shit who the Sixers backup center is, right? If Embiid goes down, they're fucked. It doesn't matter. You know, at least with Tice, we could be like, all right, man, he was fine against the Nets. I mean, he was even playing playoff minutes and was all right. So I would definitely dock Brad for that because if you look around at who's available for backup bigs, I'm talking myself into Dwight Howard right me now. Too, like, that's bro. how far I'm yeah, falling. Me too, but you know what? It's not as bad as you think. If you look into <laughs> it, it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> Please take the floor. <laughs> I mean, it's not great. I mean, you look at the names, yeah. you're looking at Boogie, you're looking at Dwight, you're looking at like, I mean, I, I don't, who, who else was there? I think it was. Um, like Lamarcus Aldridge, like yes. nothing is great. And I think the issue when you talk about all these players is like, oh, well, he sucks on defense, or oh, he can't score. It's like, listen, yeah, no shit. If you're still, if you're still yeah. on the market yeah. on July twentieth, like you're flawed. Like, and that was yeah. the same thing with you know when we're talking about you know the uh, like the summer league guys. It's like 
JD Davidson went 53 because he's flawed, right? In some areas. Like JD, you know, Yuhan is is flawed in some areas. That's why he's a draft and stash. So it's like, I just I it always made me laugh when it's like if you're looking at even Gallo for like the mid-level, it's like, oh, he's slow and can't move. Well, if he wasn't, he wouldn't be signing for the mid-level. So it's I think, you know, we just need to understand that when you're talking about a veteran minimum guy, a third-term backup center, like He's not going to be a perfect two-way player. There's going to, it's just going to come down to where do you want that inefficiency to be? Do you want it to be someone like Boogie who's, you know, can give you something offensively, but it's going to be a disaster in space right. defensively? Do you want it like someone like Dwight who has zero offensive game outside of putbacks and lobs, but he can rebound, he can play acceptable defense, and he's someone who has shown he can accept a, a reserve big man role. But, like, he's not a perfect guy either. He's already 36, 37. So it's like it's more of a pick your poison. And, and when you look at how their roster is constructed, we know that they can succeed with a vertical lob threat in Rob. So for me, I look at Dwight as a guy who's going to rebound. He has six fouls and knows how to give them. And, like, <laughs> yep. listen – he knows he's not the worst defender of all the options. And we know that Ime is not going to play anybody who can't defend at an acceptable level. So it's like, unless you're going to pull off some sort of, of trade that we don't know about for a low money center, then like, what is the option? Because, or are you just going to maybe wait until the buyout market or something? Because everybody that's available is flawed. There's no two ways around that. Man, Dwight Howard, like on paper, you're right. I mean, to get the propaganda train out, key cog on a championship team not that long ago. Like, no question. But I just picture him on the bench, and he always is doing so much. And so much of the fun of last year was the bench celebrations, and I just don't want that to be taken away from me. But – yeah, well, paper. all those guys are now no longer on the roster. I know, I know. Yeah. So it's <laughs> you're right. That's it's actually changing no matter what. Yeah, that's true. That's probably actually I re- I recant a minus just purely for the benchmark um, <laughs> vibes. But my, look, my guy is you know obviously Australian bias here a little bit. But Aaron Baines, I know he worked out for a bunch of teams, and it was reported that they did well. I know Himmel, Himmelsbach kind of reported that um, the Celtics weren't really looking looking at him as a serious mm-hmm. option, but it does feel like they're taking the approach of like, mm-hmm. wait and see, right? So all those guys that you've listed are still available. Baines, I mean, obviously it was a three minute clip that I saw. Um, oh, he was making <laughs> all of his threes. I saw yeah, it. Making threes, oh, yeah. right? I'm, I'm on that train, but I just figured, you know, once, yeah. once Himmelsbach killed my dreams, I had to move on. Yeah. Well, I just wonder, like he, he's still available. Everybody that comes back to Boston <laughs> finds themselves again, Horford, Tyus, Baines, yeah. No reason why he can't replicate. Wait, that. what about you? How do you see them them filling that that third spot? Yeah, I I honestly, so I I this is a deep Reddit dive here. Yes, apparently someone on Reddit was uh was on a plane with this young guy who played for <laughs> Oklahoma City named Oliver Sar, who I have never fucking heard of, but apparently dropped twenty four points in a game last year and is like twenty two years old. And he's going to a concert, but they also think he's working out for the Celtics. So that's that's some deep cut shit from Reddit where they may maybe that's the guy. But ultimately, I I hate to say I'm on board with Dwight Greeny. I I am like, I think the biggest thing is that despite how 
big of a dumbass he was for 90% of his career. These last couple of mm-hmm. years, he and Melo have both accepted, <clears throat> like, I'm just a bench guy now. I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to play my 15, 12 minutes a game, and I'm going to rebound and play some defense. And at the minimum, that will end up costing us like $8 million because of the tax. I think that's probably as best we're going to do. Like Aldridge scares me. He's unplayable on defense too at this point. So uh, I don't know. I'm not buying the Baines hype. And you have to remember, Brad just showed us that if he brings in a minimum guy, so I'm going to consider Schroeder like, you know, the the MLE minimum, whatever. If it's not working or if there's not the right mix, he'll, he'll, He'll write that wrong and he'll get rid of you at the deadline. So if you bring in someone like Dwight and we get to February and it's not working or if he's bringing more negative than positive, I whereas I feel like Ainge would have been stubborn enough, like to would have seen it through because like he wouldn't want to admit his mistake. Brad is like, listen, if you're not on this page of playing how we want to play and doing what we want to do. We're too close to be like fucking around with that. Yeah. And he would make an adjustment at the deadline. Yeah. Right. That, that, and like, I was joking, but that's my hesitancy. And I'm scarred from the 18, 19 season where we were like, we're coming mm. in, we're loaded. And I didn't really take into consideration all of the chemistry um, potential issues. And so when I think about this year, like there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of guys on this team that are going to have to sacrifice minutes. And so I'm just bring, so well, bringing someone in. Not only that. Minimum. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. But not only that, but like, and we may, you may, this may be on your sheet to touch on later, but like, I think all of us need to understand that there's probably going to be some immediate regression just because they were playing like 800 level basketball for the last, like, they were like 27 and five, right? Like (laughs) as awesome as that is, like that will come back down to earth on some level. And I just, I still have concerns over like, there's a difference between being the hunter and the hunted, right? Last year, there wasn't really that level of expectation. They were the hunter. They were just kicking ass and, you know, having that mentality. But maybe I just have the PSD from their inability to build off wins in the postseason mm. against good competition. Yeah. And maybe part of that is, like you said, that 2018-19 season where they were on every cover. They were picked yeah. as the favorite. like. I do have think there's a little bit of a sense of, hey, we were two fucking wins away. Like, we're golden. Yeah. We just need to get to the playoffs healthy, and it doesn't matter where we're seated. I'm just I'm, – I'm a little – and listen, I'm going to see one preseason game and immediately go against everything I'm saying right now. <laughs> but for right now on July 20th, I do have that, like, slight concern of how much are they going to push – for you know regular season like will they give a shit of you know a three seed or a four seed to you know jeopardize health or is it going to be like we just saw this past season where they really start to put an emphasis on seeding towards the end of the year to like ramp up for the playoffs I just I think it's crazy like I feel like there are some who think we're going to have like a 73 and 9 season and it's like like there will be regression just because like they finished the season like 27 and five. That's just like, it's too crazy of a winning percentage to think that's just what life is going to be like all the time. Yeah. I think Vegas has us at 55 and a half. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we land a little North of where we're at this year. I think we have 51 wins this year. 
I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if we're at like 52, 53, but it's just kind of more consistent throughout the season and we don't As have, opposed to, you know, right. Yeah. Right, that crazy second half where we're an entirely different team. And I think the good thing about how this Celtics team is built is the defense gives you a really good floor. Like, you're mm-hmm. just going to beat the shit out of these bad teams that cannot score, you know? Minus um, the Pistons. Minus the <laughs> fucking Pistons, yeah. Cade and team. the boys. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah, right. Could not beat the Pistons. <laughs> Thank God they didn't make the playoffs. That's all I'll say. But uh, anyway, all right, let's let's uh, let's move on here a little bit. Uh, Tatum and LeBron were in the news, and I cannot stress this enough. LeBron, bubble fraud. Uh, LeBron <laughs> on the shop. <laughs> LeBron on the shop, and I'm not going to talk about his comment about Boston fans. Don't worry, guys. Uh, LeBron compared Tatum's finals performance to him in, in 07 against the Spurs, and he quote, he played against the same team of my first finals because he always makes it about himself. Oh, that was my ad lib. I played against the Spurs. It's the same shit, same shit. And they took advantage of me not knowing much. So LeBron, 55% from the floor, six turnovers a game, 6.75 assists. Tatum, 36.7 from the floor, 3.8 turnovers a game, even though it felt like 100 a game, and Mm. seven assists. So he actually outplayed LeBron. Um, And so LeBron's basically saying the Warriors were just the veteran team. They know who to take advantage of Tatum's lack of experience on that level. But uh, we have a Reddit comment here from user Centaur questions that says, I think fatigue was a much bigger factor in Tatum's finals performance than inexperience was. So, Greeny, do you agree with LeBron? Uh, I mean, do you think it was a mix of the two? And uh, I, think, yeah, I, I think it was definitely, I think it was definitely sort of along, it was in the same book, but a different chapter. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was reminiscent of that 2007 series where, you know, you read the numbers. They were in the ballpark of each other. Yeah. Where I think it differs is, and again, I mean, we say this having not played in the finals and LeBron having <laughs> been in the finals. So like, what the hell do we know? But I would think it was more partly fatigue, but partly they just were like, they just as a collective unit couldn't figure out how to counter what the Warriors were doing. And I don't think had they played in a finals against a different team, like that would have mattered, so to speak, right? Like. When I think of where the experience came into play, it was how the fact that like the Warriors never panicked at any part of that finals, right? Because they knew that they could, they've proven to themselves that they can get it done. Whereas the Celtics, you could tell their inexperience just in terms of being on that stage and have everything be magnified. Like when things started to snowball, they couldn't stop the bleeding. But I think when it comes to Tatum's struggles, it was, you know, like, is it inexperience that he couldn't beat Andrew Wiggins off the dribble? Like, not to me, it isn't. But yeah. I think now that he's gone through it, like, he now has the burden that LeBron had to deal with of he's going to have to deal with this choking in the finals, like, moniker until he doesn't. And that's just when you're a franchise guy and you're on that level, like, that's just the price of doing business. Like the same way if he had an unbelievable finals and one finals MVP, he would get all the the praise and the benefit that goes along right. with that. But it's like, you know, until Giannis got over the hump, the knock on him was he couldn't get over the hump. So when you want to be that, 
Like, I just don't think you can have it both ways. I don't think you can talk about Tatum being in this top 10, top five player, which he's ascending into. And then when you're on that stage, if you don't execute, you don't get to like avoid, even if some of the things you're now hearing about him online are complete garbage and make no freaking sense. It's like people forget what he did to get to the finals, right? But that just comes along with, hey, if you don't want that, don't lose three straight to lose the finals. It's just the price of doing business. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I go and your your mentions all over Twitter. Ever anytime Tatum is brought up, it's roasting underneath, and I feel like that meme from The Godfather. Look what they're doing to my boy, because <laughs> I because because I I we know every like what he did yeah. to get there. Like, man, you can go through the the moments of the playoffs from round one all the way through, and this yeah. dude was just on an absolutely ridiculous level. Like the the signature moments he had through that playoff run relative to someone like Embiid, who doesn't have any through his whole career still, like it's it's absolutely insane. Um I think that there's it's not one or the other. I think it's a little bit of both. Like, you know, Patriots fan, um people when they would go against the Patriots in the playoffs and they had maybe had a slightly less talented team. It's like, but they've, some people believed that the experience and being there made a difference. And some people didn't. I'm somewhere that someone that just believed having that dude, that coach, that infrastructure makes a massive, massive difference. Steph Curry's 10 years older than Tatum. He's been doing this for a decade longer in high leverage situations. Of course, he's going to have an ability to stay more calm. They've been down 3-1 against the Thunder. They've been down 2-1 against the Cavs. Like The Celtics are, are still getting there, and it wasn't necessarily just Tatum. It was all of them. Um, but then on the fatigue side of things, like there's no question. Everybody's seen the stats that this dude Tatum played more minutes than anyone in the past decade. The last one between, between the regular season and the playoffs to play this many minutes was LeBron in 2011. And LeBron's like at the top of that list across the board. and that's personally just incredible that Tatum's able to continue to do this year in, year, year in, year out. But like going up, besides his rookie year, this guy has not had a break. Like between mm-hmm. um, 1920, he came to Australia for the World Cup where I got to meet Deuce and Brandy, like the, <laughs> the shortened COVID seasons both. And like this dude has not had a break in like four years. The only time he did have a break was when the season actually shut down for six months and then he came back mm-hmm. and had one of the best playoff runs a 21-year-old has ever had, and he dropped 29, 12, and 7 in a game seven against the Raptors, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Like, once this dude takes a little <clears> break, and he's going to hear it. Like, we know that these guys hear it. We know Tatum definitely hears this stuff. Like, he's, he's going to come back ready to go, and this depth that we've added is going to make a massive difference with, with how I he's able so to. Too. Yeah, massive, <clears throat> massive difference. Like, the load that this guy's carrying <clears throat> is so insane. Like, the use of, like, the usage isn't as crazy as the Luca numbers, but what he's putting in on the other end, like watching him chase around Durant, yeah. um, Drew, um, Jimmy, and then chasing around those those dudes. When you play against the Warriors, man, the level of energy it takes, they didn't score more than 107 points. Like it felt like they were kind of ripping us <clears> apart, <throat> but it was literally just Steph being a top 10 all-time great player. And that was it. Yeah. Other than that, these guys were shutting them down. And Tatum was a massive, massive part of that. Here's, here's the only thing I'd say, and, and Spoonie, you may, um, you may weigh in on this as well, but like, I just feel like you can't have it both ways, where it's like nobody was talking about fatigue when this team was up 2-1 with a four-point lead with four minutes left in game three. 
or in game four. When Tatum looked good in game three, nobody was really talking about fatigue. At the same time, like you said, his minutes played, like, it's understandable to think that, like, hey, he's probably, you know, with his burden and all that, it could be a factor. But when you look at where he struggled, he shot better from three than from two. He couldn't make a layup. So it's like, are you not making a layup because you're fatigued, but then you're shooting 40% from three, you know, on, on good volume? So it's like, I just think he had a bad finals. Like, it's okay to say sometimes guys just don't play well. And I think collectively as a team, where I just don't really love the fatigue angle is like, again, they were winning with four minutes left up two games to one in game four. So it's like they got off to a 14 to two or whatever start in game six. So like, were they not fatigued at that moment? But then when the Warriors, just because the Warriors made a run, like now all of a sudden the fatigue is like, is a thing. I just like, I can understand why they would be tired but, like, they didn't get swept. They didn't, like – it's not like they weren't at all competitive. It's not like, you know, they – the Warriors are obviously older. And, like, why wouldn't they be as fatigued? So, I just – I don't know. It's just unfortunate. And I think that's what makes the finals loss so painful for me is because, like, they were just so dominant. Like, Tatum and Brown were so – like, I think we always, in all of their previous runs, were like, if we could just get – peak Tatum and Brown, no one is going to beat this team. And coming off that Milwaukee series and getting through Miami when both of them were just playing at such a high level, it was like, holy shit, it's actually freaking happening. And then you get two wins away and you're like, holy shit, this team hasn't lost two games in a row. All fucking year, they're going to do it. And they just, you know, they lost three in a row. I just can't believe it. Yeah, I, I do think there's definitely a fatigue factor. But the thing about the finals is, if you make it there, you are always going to be fatigued. Like those games were sloppier than like if you go back and watch the Celtics play the Nets, like they are flying the fuck around on defense. But the Warriors were tired, too. I mean, it's really a war of attrition. We talk about it every year. It's all about injuries in the playoffs, right? Ask Bucks fans. And I mean, you just. I do think they were tired, but I'm not sure you can use it as as an excuse because every finals loser ever could say they were tired because the winners are too. Uh, I, I do think Tatum only, didn't play that well. Not only that, right? But like, if you don't want, if you're worried about fatigue, don't play with your food in earlier rounds and lose yes. games at home yep. to extend exactly. series. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. yep. if you if you were fatigued, like, good, that's on you for fucking around and blowing game six at home. Or blowing game five against Milwaukee. Let Milwaukee like, hang around. Yeah. yeah. So it's then, like, yeah. I, that, I just, well, you know, yeah. like, it was self-inflicted. I think that's all connected. It's like the, the inexperience plus the, like, the inexperience led to some of the fatigue. They should have ended that series in six against Milwaukee. They should have ended it in six against Miami, at least. And the Warriors ended their series against the Grizzlies in six. The, the series against the Mavs was ended in five. And so, mm. like, yeah. I'm not someone who thinks that that was the only reason they lost. I think they just took that punch in game four and that was like at the end and, and the, the men, like the mental, like the. I think it was mental. For t- I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm not saying it necessarily was physical because you're yeah. right. Cause Tatum was knocking down the threes. It was just like, all I, like, I, I, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep going for it. And I, I can't, I can't solve this one. I don't have the mental kind of the reserves to, to figure this last puzzle out. 
It was yeah. more, yeah, it was more like that game four, the final four minutes of game four was the NBA finals. Yeah. Yep. And I just think it was like the psychological punch. I just don't think they ever really recovered from. And I think, yeah, and it, you know, if they win that game, even if they lose, I mean, granted, they lost three straight, so who the hell yeah. knows? But I just think even if you then lose game five, I just think the the vibe and the psychological advantage you have of being up 3-1 is different from 2-2. And it doesn't seem like it because it's only one game. But the way, like, Steph coming in, and, and Grant, I don't know if you heard it, like, yeah, he talked about it today. It's like, yeah. they heard how they were celebrating in the locker room. Like, they knew we just won the finals because this is the one we had to have. Yeah, that was next up on the run sheet as I was going to bring up that Grant Williams comment. Yeah, 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 he said that the Warriors were screaming after game four. They knew they shouldn't have won that game. I went on the pod after game five and said, I don't give a shit that we lost this game because game four was the game we had to win. Uh, I was really concerned after that game four loss. And like you're going back to the Bay for game five. You probably you expect to lose that game when you're kind of starting at the series, like, okay, if we could take one in, in, at, in the Bay and then two at home, and then we'll lose game five. You always expect to lose that game five. So it's interesting that Grant kind of felt the same way as all the fans. And I think it goes back to show, like, he's a player. He probably felt that in the moment too, right? Like, he's not just saying that mm-hmm. after the fact. He was probably like, fuck, we just let yeah. that slip and maybe the final slip. So... Um, he also said that he was confident we were the more talented team and it was their championship pedigree uh, that got mm-hmm. them through. I, I don't know about Greeny. Do you agree with Grant's assessment? I hated it. And I wrote about this today. Like, I hate when Ainge said that shit in the bubble. Yeah. If you lose, you do not get to say you were the better team. Period. Full stop. End of discussion as far as I'm concerned. If you like, and what made it what made it so funny is he's like all the things that he listed that the Warriors did prove like those are things that show they were the best. And like you may say, oh, we had we had more talent, but if your talent doesn't show up, then what good is it? You know what I mean? Like, like oh, you wanted to like dog Andrew Wiggins. Well, guess what? Andrew Wiggins outplayed both of your freaking number one and two options. So like maybe the talent disparity wasn't as different as you thought you had nobody in your bench that was able to match Jordan Poole and Otto Porter. So like, I think we just had this, like it was this weird narrative that like the Warriors weren't this talented team when it's like before Draymond Green got hurt in January, they were the best, they had the best record in the NBA and that's in January. So it's like, I just, it just really just gets under my skin when you say, Oh, we were the better team. Like, no, if you were the better team, you would have won. And the reasons you're talking about discipline, mental toughness, all that stuff. Those are things that a better team shows. So I just, I want to make it, I want Brad to institute like a $500,000 fine. If you mention, (laughs) if you say the words, we were the better, like you will never hear Brad Stevens say that the Celtics were the better team. Hell no. In that Hell no. I just like, it really bothered me when Ainge said it, when I saw and like, because it's Grant and all that jazz, I knew it was going to, you know, I just like, Wild just shut fire. up and don't like, you can think that and fans can say that radio people can say that, whatever. But like, 
you lost. So you don't get to say you're the better team because now I have to deal with like Warriors fans dragging him all over again. And like you see Steph, Steph is already putting out petty Instagram stories about it. And it's like, God damn it. Now, God forbid, if we ever meet in the finals again, like I'm going to have to deal with this shit. And it's just like, I just hate it. I just wish they would never talk like that. Yeah, man. It reminds me so much of the Miami stuff in the bubble. Like, and in the moment, you know, I felt like that we were the better team, but then you reflect and it's like, well, if you're going to turn the ball over and someone like Bam's going to like just put Daniel Tice in the basket for three straight games, then you're not the better team, even though it kind of felt like you, you let one slip. Like, yeah, he literally in the same moment of saying that we were the more talented team and then listing the things that he said they weren't good enough at. I was like, dude, the lack of self-awareness right in this, in this eight second clip is, is embarrassing. Um, Yeah. Like there's, I hate it. And I I don't like, you said it all greedy, like just, just think it and use it as fuel. But like you, you lost in six, you didn't lose in seven. Like, and you lost three straight, yeah. two of them yeah. coming at home. So, yeah. like, I'm no sorry. Excuses. You don't get to say you were the better team. Sorry. And you, you know who can't. has a lot of talent? The Nets. You know what happened to the Nets? Yeah. That shit doesn't matter if you can't actualize it on the court. So, all right, fellas. Before we wrap up, I just got one more thing. <laughs> Very important item we need to discuss here. Kyrie Irving was supposed to show up and play at the Drew League. <laughs> And he no-showed. What a douche. I mean, am I right, guys? Yeah. I mean, it's, going, to, going to the Drew League is on my bucket list. It's just, it has I been want for to a go long to. time. It's just, yeah. It looks like so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I guess – I mean, I, I don't think anyone is surprised. I think – No. You know, it's – who knows? But at the same time, like, we don't know how concrete it was that he was really going to be there. I just think – you know, it plays into the story, into the drama. And I mean, listen, it's it's not the first yes, time does. I imagine we'll have something like that come up or it's not the last time. So I don't know. I'm like, I'm burnt out on Kyrie Irving drama. Like, I just, I'm, not, I'm, I'm good. Like, I can't, I've, I've had my fair share. Yes. See, I'm, I've been copping shit on, on, in the comments about how last part I was like, look, I think it might be time to necess- to forget not like forgive but don't forget that's what my mom always told me it's like i'm kind of <laughs> i'm kind of over it and like look we we did it to ourselves we we traded for Kyrie. we we heard Ooh. the weird stories about you know he was, he didn't go to the team we still traded for him we copped the the it curse for <laughs> 4 years <clears throat> Dwayne Hayward's ankle Kyrie getting injured the COVID-riddled season, we lost to the Nets. We got blitzed by them without Jalen, but it came full circle. We kicked mm. the shit out of them. Kyrie had his one moment in the garden. I might feel different if they would have won that series, almost certainly, but came full circle. I'm not I'm not burning it. I'm keeping it. Disgusting. I'm keeping it. Disgusting. <laughs> I'm keeping it. Like, forgive but don't forget. I'm going to look. I, when I went to the garden for a game two uh, in round one, um, I wasn't. I wasn't one of the booers. I was enjoying the atmosphere, but I'm just like, yeah, I'm cool on the Kyrie stuff now. Yeah, I would uh, say like anytime we play the Nets or we're in a series with the Nets, game on, right? Yeah, like I'm sure. in. I'm down to slander the hell out of that man for you know <laughs> being a big baby and and disappearing in playoff series. But like if they're not playing each other, I just like 
yeah, he's a weird dude. He does like, this is just par for the course of what he does. And he's a polarizing figure and, and, you know, he brings it on himself and then, you know, famously sort of absolves himself of any responsibility, but like, and I'm going to sit back. I'm going to, I have my popcorn. I'm going to enjoy yes. the dumpster fire, but like, it's, it's just so exhausting. Like I'm happy. I don't have to deal with it and spin zone it for my yeah. own mental health. And I can just yeah. like sit back and enjoy it. But it's listen, we have, we have much better things to, to put energy towards, but um, it is, it is, I did laugh when like he no showed. It's like, yeah, it's, you, you can see that. It's coming. classic. It's funny at this point. I mean, you're both bigger men than me, but <laughs> that is going to do it for this one. Uh, Greeny, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, Barstool Sports, at Stool Greeny on Twitter. Um, we're trying to get through the dog days together. Um, we'll, we'll just, you know, appreciate everybody who, who clicks and reads and shares and all that jazz. Um, and, and hopefully we'll, you know, get through this, this dark time <laughs> and recovery period together. I just... I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but like every day. So like in my office, I have that banner, you know, and it's like now like every time I come in here, I just like I trigger myself. I might have to take it down because I'm like two fucking wins away. Looking at it. I'm just like, I don't know. 2000. It took me 12 years to get over 2010. I just I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to, this one will take me, but, um, you know, I certainly appreciate everyone who comes along the ride with me. Well, look, as far as breaking curses goes, once this, the Red Sox broke the the curse of the Bambino, I mean, we've won that many titles. So maybe that's uh, that's what's next for the Celtics. I hope, I hope for your mental health. I hope it's not 86 I years. So. <laughs> I know. I mean, listen, I've had one in 35 years on this planet. So it's like yeah. to finally get over the hump and get that close just to collapse how they did is like, it's going to take me a while, but I know the second, the first preseason possession, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm all in. So that's just how it goes. And we didn't really touch on it, but I got, I had some thoughts watching everybody in Vegas. Like that, that might be a whole separate podcast. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, we could absolutely have you back on anytime, Greeny, if you want to get those thoughts out. But um, all right, Jake, uh, love your work, mate, as Ben would say. So that's going to do it for this one. We're out. We're out.